Hello, you are listening to the Treadweary Podcast, the audio arm of Treadweary.com, where we gather around the Word of God to hear what it is that God has done for us, so that we might receive from Him the gifts of His grace and mercy. Join Pastor Smee as we take a look at the text coming up for us with this following Sunday to hear what it is that God has to tell us and to open our hearts and our minds as we prepare to worship together. Well, happy Lent to you, church. Is it a happy Lent? I don't know. Well, it's Friday, and this is the day in which we take a look at the gospel reading we have coming up for Sunday. And that reading comes to us from Mark 8, which is interesting because just last week I was reading that as part of my daily readings. But anyways, uh, that beside itself, uh, we'll begin with Psalm 22 again as our psalm of the day for this Sunday. So let us begin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Just notice there in verse 26, the poor will eat and be satisfied. That kind of rings true when we read the text dealing with the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000, right? It says that they were satisfied. They were filled that they were content. Hmm, I wonder if Jesus was kind of fulfilling that part of Psalm 22. I've never noticed that before. That's interesting. Anyways, our reading comes from Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Jesus begins to tell him that he's going to be, he's going to suffer many things and be rejected by the leadership, by the religious leaders that, that the, the 
set religion is going to cast aside Jesus because that's what religion does. When our Christianity becomes re about religion rather than faith in a crucified Jesus, we throw out that crucified Jesus because our religion says, well, we can do things on our own. We can handle stuff on our own. We do not need one who dies for our sins. We do not need a Messiah who has come to deliver us because we can deliver ourselves. We look at the world and we say, well, if I do this nice thing or that nice thing or I do this or that, not only is God going to favor me, but he is going to, uh, 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 we're going to be able to join with God in making the world the more utopian place we want it to be. And listen to what I'm talking about. I'm a Star Trek fan. I'm supposed to be liking utopia, but I, but I understand the fall of man to know that it's probably never going to happen. But here it's saying that, that the ones who should know that this Jesus is the Jesus that we need, the ones who should know that this is the Messiah that we need, are going to cast him aside. And, and the picture then is painted for us of Peter being the representation of what the, the religious leaders were saying. No, you can't be this kind of Messiah. You can't be a Messiah that suffers. You can't be a Messiah that's rejected by the leadership. The leadership should get behind you and you become our ruler. Uh, you shouldn't be killed. What are you talking about? Rise again? There's no resurrection of the dead. What are you talking about? Even though we saw you raise Lazarus. Uh, we shouldn't even be thinking about that, Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He turns to Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. You care more about things of men than things of God. You're thinking like a sinner rather than allowing God to do something that sinners cannot even imagine happening. Think about that. He, he turns to one of his trusted disciples, one who just before this confessed him as the Messiah. And Jesus tells Peter, this is what the Messiah is going to look like. This is what's going to happen with this Messiah. And Peter says, no, that's, that's not what I was thinking about. I want you to rule and I'm going to be your right-hand dude. Jesus says, no. You're thinking poorly here. You're not thinking of eternity. You're not thinking of redemption. You're not thinking of your sins. You're, you're thinking of yourself. You're thinking of power. You're thinking of politics. And that is not me, Jesus says. Because he actually then goes on to say what? Whoever wants to be my disciple must, what? Deny himself throw himself aside, pretend that himself, he himself, does not exist, and take up their cross and follow me. Basically, being prepared to die, to carry your cross around, and, and when the time comes saying, oh, I brought my own form of death, here you go, you can just nail me to it right now. To follow Christ to the cross, to go there in our own death, to die to our, our desire to have Jesus fulfill our human concerns and us to hold on to this Jesus who's a crucified one, who's, who's this promise. See here, if we go back to our other two readings, our, our first reading and our second reading uh, that, that sandwiched the psalm, we have Jesus being the fulfillment of the promise that was first spoken to Abraham. He's the fulfillment of the promise of the one that brings life out of death and brings something out of nothing. The one who does the new creation upon us, as we heard in, in our, our reading on Ash Wednesday that Jada read, the, the reading from 2 Corinthians, where if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. Here we have Christ saying, in order for you to be part of me, it involves a death of yourself and life in me. 
being raised with me, being handed over to the cross, to suffering, in order that you might be part with me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Because our lives can be full of so many other things. Success, we drive for it. Trophies, medals, our name on the office door, uh, whatever sort of house we, we want to have in our retirement, uh, how we ever live vicariously through our children or our children's children, however that might work. And Christ is saying, no, that's nothing in comparison to me. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? We can do so much to try and help our children be a success. We can do so much in our own pursuit of success, of, of gaining money that we can feed people and clothe people and all those things, but our life becomes about gaining that fortune, gaining whatever it is that we're supposed to have. Instead of not being ashamed of this Christ and being willing to follow him wherever he goes, including to the cross and carrying our own. That's this call of Lent for us, that we might take up our cross and follow Jesus, that we might know him more clearly of who he is and what he has done and love him for it. Let us pray. O God, by the passion of your blessed Son, you made an instrument of shameful death to be for us the means of life. Grant us so to glory in the cross of Christ that we may gladly suffer shame and loss for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, church, blessed Lent to you. We will see you on Sunday. Hope you have a wonderful week. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.